Clubhouse. Welcome to Decorating the Set from Hollywood to Your Home with your hosts, Beth Kushnick and Caroline Daly. Hey, Beth. Hey. I am kind of sad about our topic today because it's about endings. And that's something that we don't normally talk about. I'm always excited to talk to you about like fresh new stars, totally redoing rooms. But today we're talking about what happens when a show ends, what happens to those sets, and how do you, as the decorator, have to move on to the next project? It's a bittersweet kind of situation. But, you know, my job has changed so much in the fact that when I'm focused on television and episodic television as I have for so many years now. In the days when I started doing this, we had regular network TV shows, which would be 22 episodes a season. I would have two months off. They were never the best two months of the summer off. But nonetheless, you know, it was almost like a regular job, which is why I decided that I wanted to transition from feature films to TV shows. Now it's a whole different situation where everything is much more abbreviated and, you know, shows are doing somewhere between five and 10 episodes a season, maybe if you're lucky, 13 there's a lot of space to fill in between jobs. So it's a really interesting topic because usually when you end one of these short stints, you don't know how the show is going to do and you don't know whether it's going to be picked up and come back. As we shut down and we go through, like we go through prep, we go through shooting, we go through rap. Rap has become almost a science, I would say. It's pretty much organized with an inch of its life. Um, I can't imagine today's version of wrapping a show like we used to do, uh, just writing it all out. Today, there are spreadsheets and, you know, zip drives and discs and all kinds of ways in which you turn over your entire wrap of everything that you've just done to the studio. You know, it's in the hopes that you're coming back the following season, but it is hard for a set decorator to schedule that. Remember that working in the film business, even though we're union workers, we're, we're basically freelancers. Yeah. So you do have to kind of like prepare your own items to move to the next show. But then there's also like the show items have, like you said, wrap up basically, right? Because they don't know if those particular items are going to be need for next season. Yes. I mean, you always do episodic television with which are the standing sets. These are the the iconic standing sets. Alicia's apartment, the Lockhart and Gardner, it started out as law office. And those sets take on a different life as the show progresses. But they are the key standing sets. Nowadays, in New York, especially since so much shooting's going on, a lot of stages don't 
allow you, nor do uh, the studios want to pay the money to sit and have those sets standing on empty stages. We've almost become masters of the puzzle pieces. And not only does all the set decoration get packed up, but literally the walls get scored and cut and packed up in trailers sometimes, in storage spaces. Then they have to get remastered, reassembled, and the puzzle all comes back together when the start of the next season happens. So it's a really interesting process that you have to have a certain temperament for. When I did movies, for instance, uh, on this Robert De Niro movie, Hide and Seek, we built this incredible house uh, that was the main standing set for the entire film. It was a place that was supposed to exude comfort in this terrorizing, horrible uh, story that was going on. When it came time to taking that set down, since it was a place that everybody loved so much and was almost like a hangout house, even though it was a set, it felt so real and the crew was so comfortable there. That, for me, was just one of those times where it literally came down in a course of a few days. It was one of those sets that was decorated in a fashion and a eclectic way that I like to live personally. That felt like a huge loss. Like one minute it was there standing two stories on the stage and the next day it was gone. And for a film, the bulk of that stuff goes in a dumpster in terms of the set building materials. You know, sometimes other shows come and they try to buy walls and, you know, let's say you built a a staircase and a banister. Very often, actually, networks have their own prop warehouses. So when a show ends, the higher-end items go first to another show on that network, or they go into this warehouse. And if you start a network show for that particular network, you spend your first few days going through that entire prop house. You know, you pick up things. It, it, it To me, it's always been interesting because it does create this whole concept that I've been explaining about Easter eggs, where you know, there's like an inside joke or something. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's fun to have something like, for instance, I had some items from Fringe that ended up on The Good Wife. There are some incredible fans who pay such good attention to detail that they noticed that and reached (laughs) out to me. That's a super fun game. I know I love that game on the Warner Brothers backlot when you're like, that's like Pretty Little Liars. No, that's from Gilmore Girls. Like you can like play (laughs) around and like see all the different things that are still there. Sometimes we end shows and, and sets come down and it's a moment of sadness. But, you know, there are other times when it's actually a really good opportunity and a moment where you can become much more practical. Sometimes if a show is a hit, and you've built what you've built for the um, pilot or for the first season, and now you know that that show is going to have longevity. Sometimes I've been in a situation where we've even taken the set down and moved it to a bigger stage. I'll tell you that Alicia's apartment in The Good Wife had uh, three lives. It, It went up, it came down, it went up, it came down, and it went up and came down again. 
And I lived through all three of those. Absolutely the saddest being it going completely. That was one of the, I think, hardest set sails I've ever had to endure. Now, sometimes uh, shows... Uh, even open up their sales to the public. This was, you know, definitely before COVID. Now, mostly a lot of these items go back into storage. Certain things that are mine, I've brought with me to, to different shows. They go back into my storage. It's definitely, uh, you know, an emotional connection to a character, to a set. So we have these standing sets and then we have what we call oneers. You know, we build a set and it's a one-off. It's in one episode and we don't come back to it. Then we have what we call uh, reoccurring sets. So maybe in episode one and episode five and six, the set comes back. The way that we handle that is we store and pack it together. Once the set is dressed and then it's shot and wrapped, we take it apart and we pack it together. And rental houses are very accommodating. And when you tell them this office is a reoccurring set, they flag that in their computer. And if somebody else wants to rent an item from that, they're very accommodating. And they'll reach out to me and say, when do you need that office set again? Because someone wants to rent part of it. There's a bit of a balancing act, getting everything back, you know, if it's a reoccurring set. There's also a lot that goes into keeping things fresh and packed well. You know, these are also concepts that when people move, they can take into account. Oh, 100%. You know I'm going to pick your brain in a second. Pick my about brain, because I'm going to tell you on a, the couple of, a, a couple of things <laughs> that are going to help my friends out there who are moving. Before we leave our like Hollywood segment, I want to kind of differentiate a little bit because I know there must be times, and you've discussed this with all of our listeners, when you bring on something that's of of personal, you know, sentimental value to you or something that you reuse on sets. And those go back to your personal warehouse. So like for you, you have some sort of space, right? That you keep your own items that are like Beth's stuff. I know that's got to include light bulbs. Not only does it include light bulbs, Caroline, (laughs) but I just ordered a massive amount of incandescent light bulbs to add to my stock. I love it. There feels like a light bulb shortage at the moment. But listen, I I, I will tell you that just today I was dressing a set that had numerous sconces and uh, I wanted the sconces to dim down. They just felt too bright in this particular set. We needed a lower wattage light bulb, which we're going to get. Just that change affects the entire look of the set. Everything in this particular set's palette, its color, its texture, its topic, its, its feel is dark, a little bit down, and, you know, very, very character-driven. The difference between a 60-watt light bulb and a 25-watt light bulb can do the same thing in your home that is happening in my stances on set. It makes a huge difference. You guys don't mess with that. Don't mess with it. (laughs) Okay, so Beth, on a very practical level, how do you store things like light bulbs? Because that is a very tricky particular item. Well, let me 
tell you that I store my light bulbs at home in my dishwasher. I don't use See, my dishwasher. I knew it was going to be something crazy. I was like, I want to hear it's going to be something wild and woolly, it's, and I don't know yeah. what it is. Love it. I live in a New York apartment, and as far as I'm concerned, that dishwasher is some major storage space. So <laughs> I hand wash my dishes. I store vases, and I store light bulbs, and a few other kitchen items in my dishwasher, and I'm sticking with that. I There's no that. convincing me otherwise. Um, <laughs> I, I, I asked my dad, how do I? take out the whole built-in oven stove area and he was starting to explain it to me and then he's like wait why and I was like I want to put an art desk in there and like I don't want <laughs> the stove or the oven like it's a stupid waste of space so I get you <laughs> well I have in the most recent years had three storage spaces right now I will tell you all that I just recently unearthed two storage spaces from pre-pandemic and one storage space from 10 years ago. I'm having my own kind of epiphany, and here's what I'll share with you. Part of my storage are all my job files for my 38 years in the business. Those files are obviously very, very paperwork heavy. Each episode I've ever done of TV, I have a file folder for. It has a, a calendar and a schedule, and it has swatches, and it has source information, and it has all the things that I would possibly need for that episode. You know, the way that I've stored those is in banker boxes, and now I'm doing a little bit of a purge of that, and I'm going back into those 120 boxes of paperwork and every little thing I've saved, because I'm now three years past that, and I'm in a different mindset, and I'm ready to condense those boxes down and maybe uh, make those into small bins that I can get multiple shows into. But you know, I've really kind of thought about this, and I'm not ready to get rid of all that information, even though some people's opinion who needs it? It's all available on the internet. But, you know, some of it's not. Some of it's just about the memory of that particular job. So I'm, I'm realizing that phases are a big part of what I have in storage and what other people might have in storage. I have another whole storage of things that I haven't seen in 10 years. And I really overinflated how wonderful some of those things were. <laughs> I love that. I've done that where I look at something, I'm like, what in the world was I thinking? And I kept this for how long? <laughs> yep, exactly. So, so for these 10 years, I've been thinking about this pair of lamps that I had that were these beautiful carved wood lamps, but modern, very, very modern with lampshades made out of roses, big cream colored artificial roses. I was always, always drawn to them. So when I started this job, I thought, oh, I know exactly where I'm going to use these lamps. I'm taking all my stuff out of storage. These are going to be perfect. And it's for this really upscale set. And I thought it's just going to be just the right finishing touch. So anyway, the lampshades and the lamps have been in storage for 10 years. They come out of storage. I saw them last week. 
They're very small. You like visit with them. You're like, hello. How I went are to you? visit them. I went to visit all my stuff. You're like, y'all have shrunk since last time I saw you. What happened? I had a conjugal visit with my stuff from exactly. storage. I love that you're talking about these phases because some of these things, like you're saying, like those lamps were so, so very important to you and they looked a certain way at a certain phase during yep. your own life. And it's like some things, it's okay to have like a cooling off period. Like maybe you don't have to. Yes purge them right away. Maybe they need to cool off a little and you need a little distance from them. And then you can decide what to do with them. Well, the funny thing about it is that in this particular show, I was thinking of them for one character. And we're also seeing that character in a flashback when she was a teenager. These are the perfect lamps for her 90s bedroom. What I thought was one thing is going to have another use. And then after I use them in this one-off set, I am going to say goodbye to them. And I'm not putting them back in storage because I have now... They've like served their purpose though. Like they lived their life. They came, they did their job and now they can exit. That's right. And I would never really prescribed to the idea of if it brings you joy. Right. But now at this point, realizing what is so important to me, you know, a, a family heirloom that I am absolutely not willing to part with that will go back into storage and hopefully I'll see it in my next home or, you know, at some time sooner than 10 years from now. I don't have regrets about what I stored when I sold my house. I think I needed to at that point. But what I've learned from this whole experience and from actually from working as a set decorator is the attachment to certain things is much less. And yet I'm coming to like a certain piece about it that it really was okay to keep it in storage then. And I'm going to put back what I feel I'm not ready to part with. And I am going to see certain things for what they are and let them go. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's been a very big revelation for me. I love that. I think it's such a great tip for our listeners because it's something that not a lot of people really give any room for, that idea. It's always you've got to edit, you've got to purge, you've got to get rid of it, or you're keeping it because you love it. Either one. They never give you any of that kind of gray space of like, I'm not quite ready to get rid of it. I need that little cooling off period. Or I feel like I'm going to use it for a little bit in the future and then I will get rid of it. I know that that seems like a two-step purge really for people, but I hear what you're saying and it makes sense. I think there's a lot of little kid stuff we keep in the house That's right. that like, you know, when they're little, it makes sense. And as they get bigger, even they're embarrassed or whatever. You keep a couple of those items now, but not so many of them, but you have some distance from it. I mean, look, for me, I always have an opportunity to pay it forward to a different character, even if it's something that I grew up with or that was my mother's or my grandmother's or my aunt's. I, you know, I always have a way really to create visually a a reason, you know, a purpose for things. That was part of, you know, having a set dressing shop for so many years, you come together, you know, I have my favorite items from John Koch and from my past. And the thing that's interesting is uh, being able to not only dispose of now, but to reuse. 
and to think of things a little differently. We talked so much about repurposing furniture during the pandemic and being stuck at home. And, uh, you know, the sales of antiques are up so much because of it and because of supply chain issues and what's not available. You know, thinking about an item that was, you know, served one purpose, was a, you know, a bedside table in one part of your life, and now it's sitting next to your desk holding your files. Um, That's another way in which I've been looking at all these things. You know, I had a rug in storage that was my old living room rug in in a small apartment. But now that rug is probably going to turn into, you know, a throw rug next to my bed because I measured it and I have just enough room for it. You know, I never would have thought of that, but I brought it to set the other day and I was looking at it and I thought, wow, I don't know what the hell happened, but this rug got really clean and really attractive looking in storage for 10 years. (laughs) I love that. But you know what? That's such a good point too. Sometimes just moving items from one room to another, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked a lot about that too in previous episodes where I was like, you know, take that lamp, walk from room to room or take that, you know, chair and walk room to room and see, you know, maybe it speaks to you in a different place because certainly a chair in a living room looks so different than a chair in a bedroom. The size and the proportions and, and, you know, what its use is going to be changes drastically. Listen, even something as small as a throw pillow, you know, when you connect now, whereas maybe the throw pillow used to be the bright and the pop of color on something muted, but now you change your mind and you do two pops of color and you put it on your brightest chair or sofa, it just takes on a different life. And I think that is my ultimate goal of mixing eclectic pieces in my life from all different places and times. And, uh, you know, this is, this speaks to our international kind of decorating. It speaks to family heirlooms, it speaks to, you know, antiques and repurposing and finding all these things that really have everything from a beautiful color or patina that have a story to tell. And I'm finding that I don't need as many. I found one large vase that I haven't seen in a really long time and 10 years in storage. And I don't even know why I just chose to put that one in storage versus another. And it just found its way to the most perfect kind of open spot in my bookcase. And now it's what I look at and it's, it's cornflower blue. It's my favorite color and it is bringing me incredible joy. It's, it's amazing. It's just, I don't know. It's like such a simple thing. It's really had an effect on me to go through all the job files, all the antiques, all the small items, you know, all these things that have been just sitting in storage, which let's talk a little bit about storing things because my things did very well in storage. Of course, you know, for antiques and stuff, uh, temperature controlled storage is something that 
is is you know preferable interestingly enough i took some of the wood pieces that had been in storage and just used them on set and i i was saying to my crew because i i don't like to use a lot of heavy products when we're cleaning furniture um i find that it makes everything too shiny it's not good for what you see on camera so i always tell them go lightly and i always want them to spray the furniture cleaner on the rag and then use it but they were laughing at me the other day because i said these beautiful wooden pieces have not had a drink in 10 years you know they are just crying out for some (laughs) some love they're really thirsty you know, just a little bit of furniture polish. Oh my God. It was like amazing. You know, they just sucked it up and, and it was really, really great. But the thing to do is to pack your items really well. My items like China and silver were packed with paper, like moving paper, newsprint paper, even though that newsprint smelled a little musty after the 10 years, it protected everything. Um, a lot of my china I put in those styrofoam sleeves that you can get for plates. That also work to protect my things. The other thing that I'm constantly trying to explain to everyone is plastic wrap. We call it shrink wrap on set. When people shrink wrap things, that plastic on certain surfaces, even if they're not actual wood, but a lot of cheaper furniture that's made with man-made products, artificial Mm -hmm. kind of wood or laminates, when you shrink wrap them and they stay like that for a while, when you take the shrink wrap off because of temperature change, you see the impression of the shrink wrap. We've had that happen very often on items. So we use furniture blankets or some soft covering, and then we shrink wrap over it. The other thing that happens when you put things in storage is, uh, let's say that people pack lampshades and they stack one on another on another and put them in a big box. Well, the hard bottom of the lampshade that's sitting on the soft fabric of the lampshade underneath it will leave a line. Right there, that will ruin your lampshade. That's another thing of how we store lampshades. Even in the shop, we hang them uh, on battens with rope, and we actually use pulleys, and we lift them to the ceiling like a coat rack of lampshades. That's amazing. It is a sight to behold. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it I really is. It. But it's like thinking outside the box. Like you said, don't just stack them. Don't just stick them in, in, you know, in a box or something. Think about, do you have vertical space like that, that you could yes, hang them Yes, because you're going to ruin them. Another way to protect your frames and your artwork as much as possible is that we store things like that where we put cardboard pieces in between each piece of artwork because we never want one frame to hit against another. 
because it causes scratches and chips in the frames. And framing is very expensive. So in order to protect each individual piece of art, we store them in artwork boxes, which is the best way. You know, artwork boxes from a moving company, they're really made to store artwork. We put individual pieces of cardboard in between. All these things that came out of storage after... 10 years, they were packed properly by both myself and a mover that didn't really make a difference to help their longevity. They were dusty, but once they got cleaned up, <laughs> once they got a drink, they were once good. they got a drink from some <laughs> bottle of furniture polish, hardcore stuff, they were ready to go. Those items, they were away from you for a while and you kind of like found your new loves. I assume that you also let some things go at that moment. Were you like, uh, you are not worth saving for 10 years? You know, I'm in the process of doing that on a daily basis. <laughs> You're like, don't tell them they don't know they're leaving yet. <laughs> it's true. I'm keeping it quiet. I don't speak in front of them. You know what? I, here, here's, here's what I have done. I had an incredible, incredibly huge book collection of design and decor and art books. I acquired those throughout my entire career. And now I look back and the fact of the matter is, is that some of them are absolute classics and some of them are so crazy, period. There isn't even one photo reference in them that I will ever use again. You know, even if I did an entire show that took place in the 70s or 80s. I mean, it's amazing what the uh, concept of coffee table books were, how limited a subject could make an entire coffee table book. I've used all these books. I've used them as documentation and references. You know, honestly, I will say that Instagram has replaced what was my entire collection of those kind of references. The greatest thing of all is that I put, I don't know, probably six boxes of beautiful coffee table books out on a table in the middle of the production office. And I passed the word that they were available. Everyone has come and participated and walked away <laughs> with a book. I love it. And I feel really good about that. I feel really good about production assistants taking books who wouldn't necessarily spend 40 or 50 or $100 on a big beautiful coffee table book, walking away with them, and they all have new lives. And then, you know, I was dressing a set that needed books, and I said, okay, pack up the box of books. <laughs> we got them. Yeah. A lot of people just, you know, donate to sort of the big box donation places, but think really hard. Maybe your local, you know, school or maybe, you know, friends or family or maybe other people that you know that you work with would love to have these items. Maybe you could put them in a break room or something like that and you would be exactly. blessing someone. They'd be so you happy. You know, there's a lot of apartment buildings in Manhattan outside the laundry room that have lending libraries and people put their books down there and tenants in the building borrow and put them back. 
And I live in suburbia, Beth, and the version we have of that is these these containers on corners where they have, they kind of look like birdhouses, but they're real big. And you can open the little door and you can take books out. Mostly they're kid books, but I would love to put some decorating books in there now that you mention it. I think someone would have like a great surprise. They'd be so happy. Yeah, it's, it's really been incredible to, you know, participate in this way of really recycling and reusing and repurposing. Well, and in this digital world, right, Beth? Like, like yeah. so many people have like actually held a decorating book and really looked through it where you could like fold down the pages and come back to it and right. be like, that's what they meant and see it like instead of clicking through websites, you know, that like this is a completely tactile way to do it. And that's how I came up. So now I'm going in the opposite direction. I mean, I can't tell you how many times on this particular job that I'm doing that I have found so much inspiration that has literally just come through my Instagram feed randomly propelled me to another follow another uh, Instagram and yet another one after that. And I don't know, that feels like it's working for me in, in the most advanced technological way in terms of my craft and, and how I function and operate. I will also admit, because I must be true, blue, and honest with everyone, <laughs> I, you know, I, I didn't get rid of all my books. I saved uh, too many boxes, probably. There's no way they're going. The classics are staying with me. And that, you know what? That's okay, too. And then another thing you're not going to hear on other shows. Everybody else is making you bare bones it. Yep. And we're saying, hey, you're a creative person. Sometimes you got to, you know, dip back into some books that you haven't seen for a while. And that's totally cool, too, because it suits your personality, Beth. Like, you are always looking to layer things. You can't layer things if you're constantly purging everything. That's impossible. You won't have anything to layer. <laughs> I mean, I've used books in non-working fireplaces. I've used books to to display horizontally and then vertically and create a space in a bookshelf for, you know, the most beautiful item or vase or cherished framed photo. I've used books to raise lamps at on uh, bedside tables to, you know, give your yourself light where you need it. Books are decorative helpers, cherished items. I, I do think they're they're heavy lifters. I mean, yeah. they can work in really, honestly, any room in your entire house. You can have books and no one's going to be like, ew, books. Why would you put a book in there? <laughs> I mean, right? Everyone's going to be like, that's awesome. And of course, I mean, my most favorite thing is to go to antique stores and find those beautiful colors when they, when they used to make them in red and that, that really like cobalt blue. Sure. I always love green, picking those ones up. Yeah. yeah. And they always have the wildest names. Like the ones on my bookcases are always like, like she was a crazy demon and like that's the name of it and it like looks all nancy drew handwriting like on the on the little spine but like if you read it it's like she had an issue and i'm like why are all these books like this but they're really beautiful colors so that's why i picked them but they're like all very cautionary tales i know but they're they're so interesting and they you know are. there's so much to be said i mean listen the coffee table book that i didn't get rid of was how to live with books Okay. So it was a whole book devoted to how to live with books. And when you see across the world, in the United States, in Europe, everywhere you can think of, of libraries that have been created within a home 
to be lived in and and used as decor you know books as as home decor uh, speak volumes how about that irony (laughs) (laughs) so the pun for you folks that's right What are some other difficult items that people are going to come across, whether they're temporarily packing them away because of a move or maybe they're going to be like redoing a space and they need to kind of pack things up a little bit? What are some like real prickly ones that you're like, "Mm, here's what you need to be watching out for? You know, let's talk about a a life of paper, notes, cards, letters, photos, documents. It's okay to get rid of your tax returns if they're older than seven years. So, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that only took up five of my boxes. <laughs> so, wow. That's awesome so, that you could get rid of so many. Get rid of those. They're out. Now, for those things, and I will tell you when I moved 10 years ago, at that time, I had a shredder truck come to my house. They give you the container. You put your items that you want to shred into the container. You literally watch on a screen as the truck dumps your stuff into the big trucking shredding machine. Wow. So you can be certain. Yep. Now, when you're moving out of a home that you've lived in for many, many years and you have a lot of paper to shred, I'm telling you that is the way to go. Nobody wants to sit at a hand shredder and do that kind of labor. And let's be real. Like everybody's got finite amount of energy to go through this stuff. Don't burn yourself out sitting there. Like I can say, this is so funny. A long time ago, I I have three special needs kids. We have tons of paperwork. We decided, okay, we're going to shred this all. I put on mod (laughs) because we had the DVD set. Okay. I put on mod and I shred papers. Now the, the, the show mod and the smell of like burning shredder, like, (laughs) all is wrapped into one smell because we had to do it forever all these medical papers and all this stuff that was like it's over we don't need that you know you don't need every single visit you know you just need the summary at the end you know we don't need every single thing so yeah i appreciate that like save yourself there's also um places that we have locally that are actually being run by um some special needs adults who Mm -hmm. have like little shredding shops and stuff in our area so definitely peek around and look for some places you could be supporting you know some other great business and that's that's fantastic fantastic idea you know there are also in manhattan city council offices that have a shredding Saturday. You can bring your stuff locally to shred. All of those ways in which the stuff can go. And of course, you know, listen, you, you've got to take care of your really private documents and personal documents and make sure they get shredded. But that that is really an issue. So, so once that stuff goes, and then you decide that you want to save the photos you want to save the cards and the letters and i have quite a number of love letters that i wanted to save how i do that is in heavy duty plastic tubs it's a way to keep moisture away from paper it's safe and that's the perfect thing for people's garages and i just dumped all of my paperwork like that in a plastic tub and i will admit that i grew up with quite the record collection So I have two enormous tubs with record players being so popular these days and being so retro and hip and cool. You can 
buy yourself a record player. And I've got a teenager who spins the records upstairs mm-hmm. in the middle yeah. of the night. I'm like, she got a Cracker Barrel of all places, sells a lot of albums, and they sell like this whole best of Elton John that she got for mm-hmm. Christmas, and she uh, loves it. So yeah, that's total totally out there. I love that you're talking about the the plastic because for sure we have to think about here, I have to think about things like hurricanes yep. and flooding and that type of stuff. So you want to make sure that anything's like fragile or delicate is definitely packed in, in plastic bins that aren't going to get ruined. The other thing is I've just discovered bins for actual paperwork records, file folders. This is so smart where the top is perforated so you can open up half the top. You don't have to take the whole top off and dig through everything. You can literally just flip top up half of the top of the box and, you know, search through that half of, for what you're looking for. Um, that's, that's the other thing that I'm realizing is it's one thing to like deep bury everything under your bed or in your garage, but part of keeping the items, I think for me, especially in this next phase, I want to have some easier accessibility. There are ways of doing that, putting stuff on wheels, not packing enormous boxes that you can't handle on your own, things like these plastic containers. Um, Of course, you know, just the most simplistic way of using a P-touch and labeling things really well and putting them together in an organized fashion. That all helps. And, you know, if you're going to organize things and, and put them in a garage or in a closet, I recommend doing a little sketch. Oh, you're so visual. <laughs> well, you know, in, in my walk-in closet, which you can't walk into, boxes on the left and boxes on the right. And I just did like a little ground plan, you know, a little sketch of what's in what box. So instead of looking through everything and getting frustrated, I just look at my little handy dandy drawing. And That's so artistic and creative of you. For those of you who are not, they do make the labels that you can put on those boxes now where they're like a, like a little scan, like a little QR code kind of thing where you scan it and you can actually type in the contents of the box so that when you're looking, if you're like, where's my, you know, candlesticks, you can look through your list and then you can scan the boxes and find. Yeah. You can have your own life in skews. Yeah. <laughs> Paul totally does that. He does it with his comic books. Like it's, every time he buys it one, is really cool. he like scans yeah. it in. And so then if he's at a store and he scans it in, sometimes they trick you, Beth, and they put a different cover on the same comic. Ooh. So he can like scan it and be like, I already have this. Um, <laughs> totally freaking loves it. The kids like, they love it. They love all that. They love the organization of it all. Well, you know, ultimately, if I were to start a new shop really from scratch, that's what we would do. You know, we would set it up like that with a, a barcode system. Instead, that's, this is this is what we have. It's a good tip for those starting out. <laughs> exactly. This is what we have. We have different colored tapes, and one of the colors is a nice teal green color, and there's a Sharpie with a B on it. When you turn everything upside down and it's got a teal little piece of tape and a B, that means it's mine. <laughs> and that's <laughs> that's how we we keep everything going. So see, we're going to run the gamut, you guys. Sometimes you just need a little piece of teal tape. Sometimes yep. you're going to get out your scanner. You know, you can do it however it works for because you. Because I want to give part, everyone. Right? Yeah, this is. Do what works for you. 
and and it's it's the high low you can buy an expensive sofa you can buy an inexpensive sofa but we're gonna always get the look that you're after there are so many ways to achieve this any of these things that you have questions about this is the kind of stuff that i am still constantly wanting to be the set decorator by your side and give you this input because i'm really going through it every day myself and it's a process you know you you got to be patient it's really a process it involves taking in things that are hand-me-downs things that were heirlooms in your family things that were important to you at different times in your life things that you want to see things that you may not want to see but still want to keep it's a process and some of it's a drag and some of it is really fun Yeah, absolutely. Well, Beth, this has been a fantastic topic and something that definitely people are going to have their own personal dilemmas that they should 100% contact you on Instagram and find out tips and tricks for their personal issue, what they can do to store things or should they let it go? Or maybe they should put it in their dishwasher. We don't know what your tip (laughs) might be. We cannot know. If you had to pick three tips for this one, Beth, what are some tips you definitely want to make sure people remember? Well, when you're moving or when you're putting in things in storage, I would really go the extra mile to try to wrap them or have them wrapped as well as possible. I do think that when people put things in storage, they think it might be super temporary and then you tend to let it go and go. I mean, I don't know if people let it go as long as I did, but you just want to protect the things that are important. I'm a big list maker. Wherever you're self-storing, you should have a list, a number to a box, and what does that correlate to, what's in there. I think it makes you feel more settled when you can put your finger on it, you know, and you know exactly what's where. So I would do that in an organized fashion. And like we talked about, whether it's simply a label or a scanned item, however it works for you, it's a good thing to think about not being so hard on yourself and doing things like this in phases. You know, when you're having to deal with a loved one's items, that's a very common situation where someone is left to deal with their parents or their grandparents or their family members' items. And there's a delicate balance to handling all of that and feeling attached and yet being able to let things go. So I would say, Go easy on yourself. A little bit of analysis is good. Does it spark joy? Uh, you know, but past that, I would, if, it, if it's really something that you're not that drawn to, I would let it go. Or give it away to a friend where maybe you give it away. You could have like partial custody. Like you could go and visit it and be like, well, that's okay. If I ever needed it back, I know where it's at. I did that the (laughs) other day. I gave a bowl to my assistant set decorator and I gave it freely. And then I thought about it for a minute. And (laughs) And if I have anything you need it for, she said, you. It's going to be in my kitchen. You can come visit it and you can have it back. So, you know, that is true i mean you know sharing the wealth with your friends you know uh, people do clothing swaps do home decor swaps 
You know, if, if your friend has discovered that her new favorite color is lavender and you've got the lavender collection that you're not loving so much anymore, hey, time for a swap. Can I pass? Can I tell you this, Beth? This is a secret only between me and you. Nobody of course. Listens. We tell so, secrets all the time. <laughs> my parents have a lake house and it came fully furnished when they purchased it. So there's all this decor there that they don't actually know. So sometimes I borrow items from the lake house and bring That's it like to my house. It's like having your own prop house. I know. And I like test stuff out. Like I'm like, do I like this jug or do I yep. want this ceramic plate here? And then when my mom came to my house, I was like, are those my yellow jugs? And I was like, What? <laughs> I was like, I'm just testing them out. I'm not like keeping them. I'm just Oops. testing them. I know I was laughing. But she was like, whatever, bring them back when you're done. And I'm like, cool, because I will get tired of them and then I'll go put them back and that will yeah. be just fine. No one will mind. <laughs> Definitely swap. Good idea. Love it. Beth, for all those people who are sitting there looking at all this stuff that they want to store in a smart and practical way, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, please DM me on Instagram at Beth Kushnick. Contact me by Twitter at Beth Kushnick and send me photos, send me questions, and I am here for you. And you can follow my Instagram and get more tips and see more photos of how I'm, uh, let's say, processing all of my items. You know, I feel like a lot of people set themselves up saying, oh, you know what? I'm going to use this time that I'm at home to clean out all these things. And now that things are opening back up, some people are feeling some guilt or regret that maybe they didn't go through the things when they had the time. But I'm going to say... We were all going through a lot of trauma during that time. It was very stressful. And so for a lot of us, we're kind of just like climbing out from under the rubble and being like, okay, I'm actually ready to clean now. I wasn't, even though we were just sitting at home. I just wasn't ready. Like my emotions weren't there. I couldn't agree with you more. I wasn't ready and I had the opportunity to do it. And here's what I'm going to also say is that you have to take this on, these projects I find in small doses. I am working on my paperwork boxes in the office, but at home I'm doing the pottery and the china. And so what's that going to do? Well, it's making me look at everything that's in my kitchen cabinets. So it's turning a portion, you know, as they say, you open a can of worms. uh, It's turning (laughs) a portion. (laughs) And it is, except I'm just dealing with that project. I'm not going to clean out the bathroom cabinets and clean every closet. I'm just going to do the kitchen cabinets for now. So, you know, put it in a manageable box and stick to it. And forgive yourself for not doing it during lockdown, okay? Let it go. It's okay. We're not mad at you. Beth no, and I not. understand. We're, we are we support we're totally you. ready. Yeah. And now I'm, we're, I think this is a time of feeling reinvigorated, you know, taking our, our masks off for yep. a little bit, getting some it air. Is. We're feeling like, okay, Spring. I'm ready for my house to feel a little different now in my space. So I think that's excellent. You guys, thank you guys so much for listening. And please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Pod Clubhouse on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Five stars people. It makes it easier to find the show. Thanks for listening. Decorating the set from Hollywood to your home is an original Pod Clubhouse production. Recorded, edited, and produced at Pod Clubhouse Studios. For more information, please visit us online at podclubhouse.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Decorating the Set at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. <laughs>